Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hello and welcome to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. We have another super jam-packed show today uh, where we have a little bit of Brewers discussion to go through. We have Badger football, Badger basketball, Bucks basketball. We got everything going on today. But we're going to start... We have a guest with us today. We have Javik Blake. He is the media and broadcaster for the Biloxi Shuckers. And we have a handful of questions to ask him about Jackson Churio with the news that the Milwaukee Brewers and Jackson Churio are working on a deal. So we're going to ask you, uh, give you a chance to introduce yourself, and then we're going to ask you a handful of questions about Jackson Churio. Yeah, well, first off, thanks so much for having me on, guys. It's always exciting to, to talk about the, the Brewer system, which is just loaded from top to bottom, um, and especially a guy like Jackson Churio, who I had a joy of watching for every single day uh, of the 2023 season. Um, so super excited to be on and very excited to talk about Jackson Cheerio, who just had one of the most ridiculous double-A seasons I think you'll ever see. For sure, for sure. Um, so let's just get right into it, right? We're the man of the hour, Jackson. What is Jackson Cheerio's potential? Well, I always say it'll be nice when Jackson Cherry gets inducted into maybe the Hall of Fame one day and you're like, oh, we saw him in Biloxi. But no, he's a guy who has the the super tar talent. Um, he's the guy who, you know, he's 19 years old doing things that you'd expect 22 and 23 and 24 year olds to do. Um, and his path to the bigs, you know, he could potentially reach the bigs before he's going to turn 20 in spring training, but he's going to reach the big potentially just after he turns 20 or, you know, next year before his 21st birthday, if he debuts 20 sometime uh, during the 2024 season, which is ridiculous. Um, and he's a guy who you look at him, he's still got room to grow as well. You know, he's, he's still a young kid um, and the raw talent across the board um, is just insane. And to see that play out every day um, is so much fun, um, but it's going to be so much fun to see him mature more and more as he gets to the big league level. Um, obviously, that jump from high A to double A is a massive jump. But the other big jump is going up to the big leagues um, whenever he breaches it, whether it's opening day next year or the midway point or, you know, later on in the season in August. Um, how he matures at the AAA level, how he matures at the big league level will all just add on to the insane talent um, he already has. And when he reaches that potential, hopefully – uh, it's it's ending in a couple of MVP awards, and hopefully it's ending in a Brewers World Series title, uh, wow. with Jackson Churio being the World Series MVP at some point. Um, so that's that's kind of the, the the sky's the limit for him. You can't put a ceiling on a guy like Jackson. So what are the most uh, noticeable physical traits that he has? It's just everything. There's not a thing he does that's <laughs> not like that doesn't blow your mind. 
Um, his speed is incredible. His range in the outfield is great. Um, you know, he covers the gaps really well. He hits for power. He hits for contact. Um, he's a guy that commands the outfield incredibly well. And he was a guy who was originally signed as a shortstop. He did not play the outfield until the Brewers signed him out of Venezuela. Um, and this would be I think his third year professional baseball. Um, and maybe even his second, no, third year professional baseball. Um, and to see him play center field like a guy who's been there for his whole life um, is great. And that's another part of kind of the potential of, of Jackson um, is when he gets even more comfortable playing center field. You know, he makes dazzling catches. You know, his speed plays really, really well. Um, his power just gets better and better. Um, and his ability to go for the gaps as well is is huge. Um, you know, he's a guy who really gives you all five tools on a night in, night out basis, um, which makes it so much fun. He, you know, he can hit you with the long ball at the plate. Um, he can kill you with the speed on the base pass. He can kill you with his arm in the outfield. Um, and he can take away balls in the gap with his ability to, to range out there, um, which, again, adds to all just the incredible raw talent for a kid who's 19 years old. Um, and he's a, a really not a big buff guy. And, you know, you add more muscle to that. And as you get older, you, you fill out your body. Um, that's even crazier to think about of like the Jackson Churio right now very much looks like a 19 year old. Um, and as he grows and matures and, and gets better in all facets of the game, you know, this is the starting point. The, the next point is going to be pretty incredible to watch. Yeah. So we're pretty familiar with, uh, skinny superstars that put on muscle and then turn into MVPs <laughs> and champions. I mean, there were, there's a guy. Um, Same that, city, guy yep. a, that guy has a great personality. And, and it's one of the reasons that Tyler and I love him so much because of his, you know, his personality off the court, right? The dad jokes, all that stuff, right? So we want to know what is Jackson Churio like off the field? I think one of the coolest parts about Jackson just as like a human being is he's 19 years old and, like it is all smiles all the time. Um, he's just a guy who loves playing baseball, whether it's hitting in the cage, whether it's uh, fly balls in the outfield, whether it's running down balls during the game, making or catches, all that sort of stuff. He's always got a smile on his face. I don't think I've ever seen Jackson without a smile on his face. Um, you know, he's always, um, you know, playing music, you know, having a good time, um, whether it's out in the field, you know, during BP, which makes it so much fun because he loves playing the game. You can see it from him. Um, you know, how much he loves playing the game every single day, um, which is incredibly important. You know, down here in double A, he's playing 138 games. The big leagues are playing 162 games plus, um, you know, spring training and hopefully the playoffs. Um, so that that love and joy he has for the game uh, is just so much fun to watch on a daily basis. Um, and it makes it even more fun when he's making all the spectacular plays and he's running it down and he's got a big smirk on his face. He's running back to the dugout after he just robbed a dude of a homer. <laughs> that was one of the things I noticed about Andre Monasterio actually when he first came up to the big leagues. Like his first couple at bats, like we talked about it in his first the first Wednesday after he came up. It's like he's just got a smile on his face. You can tell he's just happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the same way with Jackson. You know, he really he he loves it, um, which makes it so much fun and, and makes it so exciting to see him because he always has you know, the ability to get that that hit in the big moment and, and do those big things. Um, but he's also someone who puts in a ton of hard work, um, which is huge, whether it's, you know, in the cage or working with our coaching staff. Um, he, he does a really good job at, at always wanting to get better, which is which is big. That sounds like it fits actually really well with how guys like Christian Yelich describe Pat Murphy, now that I think about it. 
Yeah, you know, one of the big things down here in Biloxi um, is that his manager this past year was Mike Guerrero, who has been in the Brewers organization for longer than I've been alive, longer than Jackson's been alive, uh, maybe longer than Jackson and I combined have been alive. Um, <laughs> but using that ability, um, you know, using um, Guerrero's ability that have been around baseball um, for as long as he has, and, and Guerrero was a guy who was born in the Dominican Republic, um, his dad was the father of academies around Latin America um, on the baseball side of things. Um, and having that ability to be under someone like Mikey for this past year, I think is really, really big. And it's really big to be able to have someone like that, you know, in the dugout um, every single game. And, you know, he was someone that, that played Jackson pretty much every single day. Um, he led uh, the entirety of the Southern League and plate appearances. Um, and that's really big. And that's really big in the growth side of things um, is getting that ability to play day in and day out. Because one of the big things Guerrero, you know, always talked about um, is here in double A, you know, we're preparing you to be big league regulars. Um, you know, if you're you're playing a full season um, and that's what Jackson did. Jackson had over 520 plate appearances um, in his age 19 season, which Damn. is nuts. Um, and he was a guy who, by the end of it, you know, was still swinging the bat well, which is huge. Then he went triple A and had a great week. Um, so that all adds up to kind of the growth he had over this year, and that it's not going to stop anytime soon. Tim said he's happy to be here as well. That's good. <laughs> uh, Mary said Pat's going to win us the series. And then Brad said following the path of Acuna. So we kind of talked about this before the show a little bit, but for fans who might not have seen Jackson Churio play but know the name, who is a player in Major League Baseball that people know that you could compare his play style to? It would be Ronald Acuna Jr. It is the same amount of flashiness, just flair, style, fun that, that Ronald Acuna Jr. brings every single night um, in a Braves uniform. Um, you know, whether it's, um, you know, the, the big plays, the big moments, you know, just how he is in the dugout. Um, but one of the funny things as well is he'll wear all yellow everything. So, Shuckers, we have white jerseys blue lettering and everything, but obviously a lot of the guys will have Brewers branded stuff that, that they'll wear like Jefferson Caro um, mm. had a Brewers elbow guard and everything with us this year. Um, but with Jackson and, and some of other guys, well, Carlos Rodriguez, another one, um, the outfielder, he would wear like yellow sleeves, like a yellow arm guard, a yellow leg guard, bright yellow cleats. And I, I was sure it was the Ronald Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr. Jr. look. Um, and it's just so much fun when, you know, he's able to play like that. And his play style this year is nuts. I mean, a 2040 season um, in 19 that hadn't been done at the AA level since at least 2005. That's as far back as we can go um, as far as like the recorded box scores um, on, yeah. our, on our stat portal. Um, and to see that on a daily basis and to see what Ronald Acuna Jr. is doing at the big league level, uh, you can make a lot of similarities to kind of their play style um overall whether it's you know at the plate or on the base paths barry said yellow is his lucky color <laughs> good thing it's color. Colors, huh? well the good thing is he does play for the brewers and they do have yellow in their color scheme so yeah, that's he's ready to go <laughs> yeah that's uh that's a good thing um so i know that we're talking about all the good things but to be completely honest every player has things they need to work on things that they can improve on to become the perfect player reach their potential right so what is something that you think personally Jackson could improve on? Well, I think one of the big things we saw throughout the year is that early on in the season, uh, he'd continuously go after that slider that bites off the outside corner. Um, and that was something you really got better at during the season. And that's one of the big things that, that you grow at during your age 19 season that just mm -hmm. so happens to be in double A um, as 
when the season started, he was the youngest guy at the level. Um, and until Ethan Salas came up, he was the youngest guy um, at the level. But to see him continuously progress with the plate discipline side of things, I think was massive. You look at the splits first half to second half. And yes, in the first half, on um, the Southern League, we were using kind of the stickier tacky ball um, they use in Japan and Korea um, instead of the, the regular muddy baseballs that were used in the second half. Um, so that also might have added to a factor of just why, because you don't expect a slider to move that much or a fastball to have that much run in the first half. Um, and then when they switch back to the mudded balls, he absolutely exploded onto the scene. Um, but I think plate disciplines is something that he will continuously get better at throughout his career. Um, and as that OBP goes higher, his ability to steal more bases and become a bigger threat, a la Tyler Black this past season with just the insane OBP he had um, oh, at the AA level, that stuff will continue to grow. Um, and that's all part of the progression of a player. Um, and that's kind of the big thing for Jackson. You know, the OBP will continue to rise as the play discipline, you know, increases. He sees more pitches and kind of gets used to playing um, at the higher levels of the minors and then the big leagues. And that all contributes to him wreaking more havoc on the base paths. We kind of talked about it. It seemed when Sal Freelich first came up for the Brewers that his plate approach, his plate discipline, and the way that you feel confident when Sal Freelich is up to bat with two strikes, that everybody around him, their plate discipline just went up a level. It did. Just with him around. So if, mm-hmm. if guys like Sal Freelich can have uh, have that kind of impact on Jackson Churio, especially if they're going to be spending all the spring training together and – um, you know, obviously in the same organization, I think that's an interesting thing where maybe he could take some of those pointers from South Freelick. Well, I think one of the big things too, is that's something the Brewers at a minor league level um, really take a lot of stock in. Um, you look at this year, you know, the, this Shuckers team set the franchise record for OBP. Isaac Collins led all of double A in OBP. Um, this was a team that drew more walks than anybody else in the Southern League. Um, and to see that play out, and it just all goes back to the great coaching staff um, and the great organizational structure that the Brewers have on the minor league side um, to continuously talk about plate discipline and talk about attacking the baseball. Um, that's one of the really, really big things that that I saw this year um, from the Shuckers team. And my first year in the Brewers organization, the amount of care that they take of, of wanting to get on base and damaging the baseball, but not only that, of earning their walks. That was something we saw in a big, big way this year from the Shuckers team. And, and Jackson was one guy who you could tell a marketable difference between game one and game 138 about how much better he got um, on the plate discipline side. And that comes with just more time in the organization and more time in professional baseball. Because again, he's 19 years old. Most 19 year olds are freshmen in college. He is not. He's playing in double A. Yeah, that's, that's still wild. So the... The reported deal that they're looking at is about an eight-year deal. Um, you're on board with just handing them a blank check as far as that <laughs> deal goes. But what what are some of the things outside of just looking at the years for this amount of money, some of the other nuances that this potential deal does for the Brewers and Jackson Churio? Well, I think for Jackson Churio, um, you know, kind of that's kind of the the deal that the Brewers, the Braves have done in a big way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that the Brewers are looking to kind of go down with that route of of kind of the the contracts of locking up their stars early it works worked out great for for the breaks yeah. um, they're coming well, off good. year they turned out quite well um they, it looks like it's back to like the early 90s of them just running the nl east yeah. forever though the phillies are really good from about july on so that is a little bit different than what it was um in the late 90s but i think one of the big things for for jackson and milwaukee you know i 
I can't wait until Jackson debuts in the big leagues, whether it's this year um, in opening day or, or later on. Um, but I think one of the big things is, you know, it's it's really exciting to to see. Um, obviously, I've seen it on the minor league side about how much care the Brewers have in their minor league system. Um, and obviously, Brewers fans, how much care they have in the minor league system, which is so much fun. Um, but that kind of just adds on top of it about how much um, they really are taking stock in their farm system. And it's it's a ridiculous farm system. Um, it is one that is going to give Milwaukee many of many of stars for years to come. And Jackson's Part of that first wave of guys coming through, um, you know, Jacob Mizorowski, Tyler Black, Jefferson yeah. Caro, all in the hopper, Brock Woken. There are plenty of guys in this farm system um, that are absolutely ridiculous. And I only mentioned the guys who played in Polexi this year. Um, that doesn't even count the guys at the lower levels of the farm. So I think one of the big things, you know, with, with this type of deal um, is it really just extends the, the amount of care um, and, and the terrific job the Brewers have done with their farm system from top to bottom, um, from from the GM side of things, from the player development side of things, from the scouting side of things. They have done a ridiculous job building an incredibly talented and deep farm system. Um, and this is just kind of the first wave of guys coming through. So now if a deal like this, if they get this extension done, it's something where they don't have to worry quite as much about the service time because he's already extended. So they're, you know, they're, they're avoiding any arbitration by doing this deal. Yeah. So, we saw the Orioles do that. Not, not yeah. quite with the deal side of things, right. but um, there is the, you know, the new part of the CBA where if you have a guy um, on your a rookie on your roster on opening day and they win the rookie of the year, uh, you get an extra draft pick. So that's, you know, also something that, um, you know, I'm sure that about. I would love if Jackson Churio got rookie of the year, no matter what. Um, but an extra, you know, that extra incentive of, hey, if he's on the opening day roster and he wins rookie of the year, extra draft pick. Um, the Orioles did that with Adley Rutschman. Um, you know, that's something that, that could happen as well. So I have a off the script question that I was thinking of as you were talking. Um, we've been seeing a lot of comments about the Brewers and how it's kind of doomsday, you know. So we're a, we're a optimistic show. We like to keep things upbeat, uh, see the see the positives and everything, right? So I want to know: is it really doomsday, or do you think that the, this Brewers team is going to shock some people? Well, I mean, if we're talking Jackson Churio, Carlos Rodriguez, Jefferson Caro, Jacob Mizorowski, added to the big league team that is already there. It's just going to be a very, very young team, which I think is terrific because it is, again, showing the investment that the Brewers have made in the minor league yeah. system and the terrific finds um, that the scouting department has done and how well they've drafted over the last couple of years. Yeah. That's all coming to fruition. So I don't think it's doomsday in any sort of way. Um, it almost just seems as, hey, the Brewers are really, you know, they have a great minor league system. They're going to use that system. Um, and whether it's, you know, kind of how that happens, um, you know, is it, there are different ways of going about it. Um, but, you know, I think there is going to be a lot of really, really young talent and a lot of really, really good talent, which is terrific to see because they will all get better. There is a point, there is a starting point and the end point, it's going to be growing. And then whether it's a guy like Jackson or a guy like Jefferson Caro, um, they're going to continue to grow. And that growth will lead to more and more fun. We saw it with the Atlanta Braves, more and more fun. And Hopefully, eventually, World Series title. I agree. So, I'm going to make an NFL comparison. Everybody watches the Green Bay Packers, right? You included. I'm a, I'm assuming. Um, you you see the young talent that they have, and it, it was it was 
ebbs and flows, right? And now the last couple of weeks, they've really been hitting stride. And I think the Brewers team is going to be closer to that than a Carolina Panthers where it really kind of is doomsday over there. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope Let's hope it's not the Carolina it's, it's, Panthers. No, we, we have so much talent. It's so stupid how much talent we have. Like, me and uh, Tyler and I have talked so much about the outfield during the season. Like, what do we do with this guy? What do we do with this guy? Because you have to fit Jackson in there somewhere. Yeah. Right? He's got to have a spot. And then Sal looks so good, and Weimer played such good defense, and he has the potential at the plate. And then there's the Garrett Mitchell stuff, and we still have Yelly. It's just like they have so many questions to answer in the outfield, just in just the outfield, right? It's just going to be insane. I hope Jackson's on the opening day roster. I think this fan base needs that. Well, I think that's one of the that's a great problem to have if you're the Brewers. Right. We have exactly. all these talented dudes. What are we going to do with them? It's better than the opposite of we have no talent. What are we going to do? I guess we're going to lose 120 games. No, that right. part's no, not fun. The we have all this talent. How do we fit it all together? Is a very very fun problem to solve. Um, thankfully, it is not my job to solve that problem. <laughs> anyway, shape or form. Um, but no, I think I think it's one of those teams, a lot like the Packers. They're going to get a lot better as the season goes on. Um, yeah. And I think that's one of the big things. Um, you saw it with the Phillies the last couple of years. They're a team that um, obviously they're a little bit older, but started slow, heated up got good, got in the playoffs, made a run. And that's very much something that the Brewers could do because all you got to do, we saw it from the Diamondbacks this year. Young mm -hmm. team, better, better, better. Bit of a tough stretch right before the playoffs. Got really hot the week before the playoffs and rolled into the World Series. Obviously, yep. Natalie going to the Brewers. Get in and get hot. World Series. Um, but I think that's one of the big things, and that's one of the big things um, for, for this Brewers team next year. Um, you know, what guys are, are up there on opening day or what guys are up there – um, by August, um, it's one of those things where all you got to do is get hot at the end of the year, win enough games to make the playoffs, um, and see what happens. And I think this Brewers team is very capable, you know, with the prospects that are coming up to, to hopefully make that run and, and make that push towards the end of the season into the playoffs. Yeah. Brad said people don't take time to research what we have in the farm system. That's why we have Javik on with us. Um, yes, Brad asked, could Yelich play first? You have any thoughts on that? Personally, I don't think so. Like, it's something that he's dabbled with, but I, I think know. one of the if you're looking for for a first baseman, um, one of the big things is Tyler Black did play first base this year in Biloxi, albeit super super briefly. Then they made the trade for Santana, and that negated the Brewers needing a first baseman down the stretch, so it wasn't as big of a deal. Right. But through about a three week stretch, Tyler Black was dead set on playing first base um, in Biloxi. And he played about five games, and then the trade deadline happened. But him and Mike Guerrero, every single day, was ground balls at first base, ground balls at first base, ground balls at first base. He still did not have a first baseman's mitt, so we had to use Wes Clark's first baseman bit from South Carolina. That um, was the big you know, South Carolina Gamecocks logo on there. Um, he did get his own first baseman's mitt, and I think, it, I think it came in like his second game, or it came in after, and he never got to use it. But he's a guy that throughout the offseason, um, I'm sure the Brewers are having conversations about, hey, is he a guy that we like at third? Is he a guy that we like at first? But he's another one of those guys where, and obviously, you know, we can talk about this, um, you know, later on, but Tyler Black's a guy who can play multiple different positions. And the more positional versatility you have, the better. And if you add in first base to that mix, and that's something that he can work all winter on and work all spring training on, and it doesn't necessarily have to be with the big league, you know, during the big league spring training games, there are plenty of opportunities to work in spring training 
whenever you'd like. Um, that's really, really big for Tyler. And if he ends up doing that, you know, he's a guy who could end up sliding over to first base um, if the Brewers end up going that direction with Black's development on the defensive side. Yeah, for sure. So winter meetings are a little over a week away, I think, or a little less than a week, actually. I think it starts like middle of next week. But uh, we're going to have you back at the end of December so we can talk more about Tyler Black, who I'm a massive fan of. Uh, so we'll have you back in a little less than a month and, and get to talk about some more of the guys that you've seen in Biloxi, which, which was sure to be uh, entertaining and fun to hear more about some of those guys that are going to be potentially wearing Brewers uniforms this year. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, guys. It's uh, it's always a blast. And yeah, let's Jackson Shurio, World Series MVP one day. That's that's that would be that would be pretty fun. That would be awesome. Thanks again for hopping on with us. Have a good rest of your night. Appreciate Thank it, guys. Thanks so much. I'm gonna pre-order my uh, Jackson Shurio jersey right now. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So we're going to switch now to Badger football and we're going to bring Mike in. So over to Badger football. Woo! How we doing, fellas? We're ready, baby. We got the axe back, boy. Let's go. We're putting up. We're putting some solid back-to-back weeks here with uh, Wisconsin sports. It, uh, we're trending oh, up yeah. again. It feels great. This is, uh, it does feel good. I mean, you look at it. The Bucks are seven and one in their last two weeks. The Badgers football is two and all. Badgers basketball is four and all. I mean, I mean, oh, feeling so good Dam- in here. Damon Giannis. I'll I don't want to give away anything, but Damon Giannis are starting There's to cook, trouble. bro. Yeah, they're starting to cook. You could you could see every game where they're starting to understand where each other likes the ball a little bit more. It's like, all right, they're getting close. And then, you know, eventually, you know, I mean, they're sliding Chris in there a little bit. Giannis kind of forced it last night. We'll get into that. But, man, this Bucks team, title. I'm telling you, title. Taylor, Not- we don't know what bowl we're in yet. And, yes, volleyball beating Nebraska was awesome. The fact that they swept them yes. was sweet. Handily, too. I watched that whole whole game. It was crazy. Like I'm sure you It was like Nebraska. Nebraska looked like they were unranked. Like, we just yeah. dominated them. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Barry said the axe is never leaving Wisconsin nope. again, which I am fully on board with. So we're going to start with, like we do, our power pair. Oh, go ahead, Jake. Hold on, hold on. We're going to start with something else today. Uh-huh. So today we're going to start with some scores, right? Oh, we had a little yeah, contest yeah. going on. And uh, the Badgers, you know, their their total score with their opponents was 498. So that's, that's not like a crazy number, but – I will tell you right now, Tyler was the closest, so he won. So yeah, everybody get Tyler flowers. Tyler was 14 points. <laughs> Mike Go with clap. the eye roll. Go clap. I'm being respectful. <laughs> Go clap. I think the eye roll is what got me, man. Um, as I flip to my notes here. All right. So I will say this. Mike, you had a score. Uh, Tyler had a score of 484. So he was 14 away. Mike had a score of 459, so you were 39 points away. I had a score of 540. I was 42 (laughs) points away. You beat me by three points, so that means that I lost. I got last place, so I have to donate 50 bucks to uh, a good cause uh, that Tyler and I should be talking about more, actually. Um, We we have a a scholarship that we're we're planning on giving away to a high high school kid, so um, if you guys are interested in that, we could we could put a link on the page, pin it to the top. 
Um, it's gonna. Uh, you buying Tyler dinner? Buying Tyler dinner? <laughs> no, it's a uh, it's a partnered scholarship that we did with Mental Health America. So in the spring, we'll be giving a scholarship to a student who is interested in sports and mental health. So we're actually looking forward to that. And Jake could take another pie to the face. I mean, we I'd be open That's to true. We that. should have done that too. <laughs> you know what? You know what? After we do the Packers, I'll 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 do that. We gotta ask Bryant if he's in though. Because Bryant might lose that one. So we'll, we got to ask Bryant. And if I have to take two pies, I have to take double pie. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Tyler, you're a sick. <laughs> you are I, didn't say, sick. I didn't say anything. Tyler, your, your <laughs> laugh, your laugh alone was just not okay. <laughs> Barry said five. <laughs> Uh, five pies? Very. Oh. Very. First of all, you take my job. I don't even have my my own my own gig anymore. Like I don't even like that was just mine. I was the weather guy. And now you got it and now you want me to take five pies, dude? That's just ridiculous. Side note, I've never lost a pie bet. No, you haven't. Knock on wood. <laughs> I guess me either technically. Last place to the fantasy football league should get a pie in the face. Oh. They should. Taylor would be on the hot seat for that. Oh, Taylor doesn't want it. Taylor doesn't <laughs> want it. <laughs> um, okay. So for Badgers football power pair, um, offense, we went with Braylon Allen. Couldn't go with anybody else. He did declare for the NFL draft, which isn't something super surprising, uh, but it is happening, and he is going to set out the bowl game to do his draft prep again. Nothing new. Um, but I want to say this really quickly before we before we get into the power pair part of this is Taylor said me no understand English um, is if we want to be the program that Wisconsin is is aiming to become, this is going to be a part of the reality. It's he backs away slowly. It's going to be a situation where our good players are going to declare for the draft earlier than we we may want them to. And they're probably going to sit out bowl games. This you is know, where right now, this is an experience that it's going to be something we should get used to if we want the caliber of players that we want in this program. It's it's not going to be a one-time thing with, with Braylon Allen. It's going to be guys that we have coming in. We want this to happen because it means we have a damn good team. I agree. Um, yeah. So we just had... Uh... Javik on and he was talking about Jackson Churio talking about how he's skinny and he looks 19 and immediately my brain goes to Braylon Allen who's also 19 and looks like a freaking Mack truck true mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like oh, these things are not the same <laughs> yeah yep. <laughs> that photo of him chopping down the goalpost dude his arms are just enormous dude oh my goodness there he said the losers should have to do a polar plunge oof that's going to be a hard pass for me. Thankfully, I'm in first place, but that's going to be a hard pass. Yeah, sorry. I'm going to swear. I'm going to say, fuck that. Uh, no. <laughs> Not doing that. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Braylon Allen had 26 carries for 165 yards, two touchdowns. It was a 6.3 yard per carry average. Uh, Taylor said the Packers draft Allen. Maybe. In a perfect world. In a perfect world. And three catches for 27 yards. So he had 29 total touches for 192 yards. That is 6.62 yards per touch for Braylon Allen. So Jake has our defensive guy. 
Yeah, so our defensive power pair is a guy that got absolutely screwed. Big time. He got screwed. I want Mike to elaborate on this, but Hunter Waller, this is your boy. This is your boy, Hunter Waller. Um, he had 12 tackles, six solo. And, I mean, I'm happy. You know, he, he kind of called people out a couple weeks ago, and the team responded, in my opinion. Um, they looked a lot tougher, looked faster, looked more focused. And, obviously, these are building blocks, you know. And yep. Like, I'm just going to build off of what Tyler said. This is the, the team that we want to become. We're going to be bringing in a lot of five-star, four-star players. That's what we want, right? We want those bat signals to show us as top getting top 10 prospects, right? Yep. Which the bat signal video, dude. That dude, is how incredible. sick is that? That Joe is incredible. Barry Alvarez. That's the way to go. Well done. Dude, he, mm-hmm. you know, last year with, with the videos, I was like, oh, bro, this is sick, right? Like, you know, we never really had something like this at Wisconsin. And now he just he One up it. took it up another level. I don't know wow. how he thought of this, but man, he's a brilliant man. Um, but I will just say that Hunter Wooler got screwed. Mike, you can give your UP and you can talk about Hunter Wooler getting screwed if you'd like. Yeah. I mean, he, Hunter Wooler, I mean, speak, I called it from the beginning of the year. I knew he was going to have a big year. I said, I'm pretty sure I said first team, all big 10. I still think he should be first team, all big 10. He was only second team by the media. I think it was, it wasn't even by the coaches, which is mm-hmm. another puzzling thing to me but i mean i'm just looking at some of his stats total tackles he's third in the big 10 um let's see oh yeah and his boy tyler newbin the guy that was first team is way below him there from minnesota i don't know there's a couple other stats i won't get into it fully but hunter waller he had a fantastic year he was between him and rico they were the heart and soul of of the defense essentially and um, Good job, Mike. You know, it's it's unfortunate that uh, you know, neither of those two really got the first team love that I thought they should have gotten because Rico was also tied for inter- interceptions. Yep. He was the he had the most return yards. I mean, granted, yep. it was off of that one big play um for a pick yep. six, but I don't know. Ooh. I think there was a little bit of um home cooking, whether it was with Michigan and Ohio State or I don't know, and it go and a lot of the preseason guys as well that, you know, just so happened to be on there, even though that, you know, Rico and Hunter Waller took, like, beat them in certain stats. So, I don't know, a little biased, but is what yeah. it is. But Taylor, the um, video that we're talking about is Luke Fickle on Twitter. He has a new um, a new video that he puts out. It's the new that's, – that's what we refer to as the bat signal. It's a video that he puts out when there's a, a new recruit that has committed to Wisconsin. So yesterday it was uh, Cooper Catalano. He's a linebacker. He's an in-state linebacker. Uh, they tweet out uh, – Luke Fickle tweets out a video, and it's like him walking out under the balcony at Camp Randall. And he's like, you know, we're super excited that we got you. And then it's like Joe Thomas is like, hey, we got another one. And Barry – Joe Barry – not Joe Barry. Wrong Barry. Barry Alvarez is just sitting there like drinking like an old-fashioned. And he's like, we got him. So it's that's on Twitter. If you follow Luke Fickle on Twitter, um, do that. Uh, Brad said I felt Allen never felt comfortable in this system. I don't. I don't know that I buy that because when he was healthy, he was getting 25, 30, sometimes more than thirty touches. And he was, he was fine. I mean, he he is a big guy. So a, an ankle injury for a big guy like that that slows him down a lot, right? That's a lot of weight to be carrying around. Um, I felt like he was okay. I felt like the offense was a learning experience for everybody. A lot of injuries, a lot of inconsistency yep. on the own line. I mean, it was it was a learning year. Uh, you know, we, we talked about it a, a million times, but 
you know, you, you have to go through these kind of things to learn the things that work and learn the things that don't. And I wouldn't call it a failure of a season. I wouldn't call it a successful season, but I would call it a year where they figured a lot of shit out. That's yeah. what I would say. Greg asked, how are you guys going to feel when UCLA and USC come in next year and drop your standings even lower? We talked about it. Next year's schedule is an absolute gauntlet. I like, mean, they could win seven games next year and it would probably still be a good season. Uh, is he talking about the UCLA and USC that have the same record as the Badgers or correct? Is it like a difference? Those aren't even the two. Those aren't even the two teams I'm most worried about. I'm more worried about Washington and Oregon who are having incredible yeah. seasons. And we got Oregon coming to Camp Randall next year. So, and we got to go to USC. Thankfully but, with those two teams, Bo Nix and Michael Penix are both getting drafted in the first round. This yes. Year. Yeah. Thank God. Thank and, Caleb God. and Caleb Williams, who knows with him? I think he's probably going to be gone too. That's my guess. Oh yeah. But I mean, I'm I'm still more I'd still be more worried about Oregon and Washington, honestly, at yeah, least on the sure. short term. So more complete teams for sure. If Williams, I'm if Williams doesn't leave for the NFL, I'm I'm sorry, I'm gonna say it. He's an idiot. Why would you stay in college and get picked on by a bunch of 18 year olds while painting your fingernails, dude? Go throw touchdowns on Sundays. Move yeah. on with your life. You won a Heisman. You pretty much did everything you could do in college. Go make your money, be a professional, act like a grown man like you're supposed to. Yeah, because you're not getting to the college football playoff with that defense. And you know what? He, he's no. he's damn near a lock for number one overall. That could change real quick. He's damn near a lock, dude. He's I can there's a nobody's drafting Michael Penix over him. No, it's it's not even that. Or it's or even, I think a wide receiver. I just don't see it. If Arizona gets the number one pick, they would be stupid to draft Caleb Williams instead of Marvin Harrison Jr. No, they need to move on from Kyler Murray. That ship has sailed. I think so too, Jake. I that think ship that's has uh, sailed. I think so too. I don't know. Bye bye. Right. You can go play Call of Duty over there. Draft pet, draft prep. We're gonna get to that. We'll get to that. Today <laughs> I'm talking about get back on subject. Sorry. Um Barry says if William stays another year, he'll be a bust. Maybe. I mean yeah. I don't know. Yeah. USC is just about as pro-ready of a program as you can get to. but It's very true. All right. Mike, who did you end up going with for the underrated performer? Yeah, so I went back and forth with two, with two guys, but at the end of the day, I took Nizier for Kareen. Uh, I, yeah, I mentioned in the chat dur during the game, you know, he did get picked on a little bit in the first half, but he yep. had one hell of, of a second half. So he yeah. had seven total tackles, and he absolutely clocked Calicamakis uh, on a corner on a corner blitz yeah. uh, on a third, third down, um, and just you know made made them punt to us. So uh, he had a really nice bounce back second half. It was definitely worth calling out because you heard his name a lot uh, yep. with making big time plays in, in the second half, which you know ultimately led us to victory. So he definitely uh, deserved yep. it. Great call. All right, Mike. What did you see that improved on the offensive side of the ball? Oh man, that it, it's it was the Wisconsin Badgers of old, if you want to say it. It was a rushing offense. Um, you know, it, it, we controlled the line of scrimmage. I mean, this is the first you you could argue the first time where we flat, where you could say we flat out dominated the line of scrimmage against the other team. I mean, Braylon Allen, twenty six carries, one hundred sixty five yards, two tutties. I mean, Tanner had his way at times too. Nine carries, sixty nine yards. Nice. nice. Uh, and even I like yeah. that number. And even uh, Katie Akamelli had a couple nice run runs for yeah. us too. Nine carries, thirty-three yards. So um, establishing the line of scrimmage was was really good to see. Um, 
you know, it, it was, it sucks. It had to happen on the last game of the year where we put a complete game together in regards to that. Um, but you know, it's something that we can build off of going into, um, the off season into next season, I mean, into the off season into next year. I guess I would prefer it to be that way where they finish on the highest note, as opposed yeah. to, to, to use USC as an example, again, as a punching bag, but they started <laughs> off really well and finished horribly. Yeah. 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 I mean, what did, from Colorado in that same boat? They started what four and zero, and then they finished five and six. Mm-hmm. Bro, did you see and that I mean, post about Colorado today? Which one? <laughs> yeah. Which Colorado? Which one? Another Harry? player transferring out? No, they, they, they were talking about. Kidding, I mean, they compared him to Lynn Sanity. Remember, Lynn Sanity went crazy <laughs> for like a week. They're like, man, Colorado's Lynn Sanity week, couple weeks was crazy, man. Everybody oh, in America was awesome. and Colorado fans. <laughs> I was like, oh, that is so disrespectful, bro. <laughs> it fits so well, though. It does. Oh, like, shit. Oh. That's funny. All right. Tyler, to, to your point, real, real quick. Um, yes. Nickel did say it that, you know, when he first started, we want to be playing our best ball at the end of the year. I think this yep. is just kind of one of those, you know, games where we did play, our, we were playing our best ball at the end of the year. So uh, yeah. just had to call that out real quick, too. All right, so for me on the offensive side of the ball, uh, you brought up the rushing. I wanted to bring up the passing. So Tanner Mordecai didn't throw a lot of passes. He had 14 completions. However, Braylon Allen had three. And then Chimere DK, um, Hayden Rucci, Will Pauling, Vinny Anthony, and Riley Nowakowski each had two receptions each. So for me, it was the distribution of <clears throat> of the passing attack. that was That was good for me. So... That's what I was noticing for the uh, offensive improvement. Uh, Jake, what did you see that improved on the offense? For me, it was the mentality. And you can kind of take this for the entire team, right? And I I brought it up that Hunter Waller was calling people out, right? And, you know, I'm kind of going to piggyback off of what Mike said. But, you know, sometimes it's hard to commit to the run. You know, this was an old school Big Ten West, you know, officially done with. Uh, old school Big Ten West. Imagine one day when we're 60 saying that. All right, <laughs> game, <laughs> especially when you're trailing, right? And we we were trailing not once but twice in this game, um, to a team that has beat us back to back. They had something we wanted. Uh, we're trying to make this uh, a successful season at seven and five, and at that moment, we were trying to hold them from being bowl eligible. Pretty trash if they're bowl eligible at five and seven. Stupid Colorado State. All right. Um, we had to find our identity, and I think our identity was in the run game. The thing that, that I really noticed, especially with the run game about Braylon Allen, was Allen in the first half on Saturday had 13 carries for 63 yards, 4.8 average. And the second half, this is sticking to the run. This is a mentality thing. This is a toughness thing, in my opinion. He had 13 carries for 102 yards. That's a 7.8-yard average. So for the guys to stick with it, put their nose down, and just straight up get the damn job done, I love it. James said he heard Wisconsin is going to play in the Music City Bowl. I have heard that as well. I haven't. There's, you know, until it's official, I'm not going to like really. Yeah. Who's their projected opponent? Um, Barry Texas said, see how that CJ looked on the sideline. That is hilarious. <laughs> We're all fans of that. PJ Fleck being sad because he's super weird. Um, but yeah. Uh, Mike, what did you see on the offensive side of the ball that you would like to improve? This is more so of like collect a collective 
thing what's been going on throughout the year just seeing just seeing in consistency that's being needed on the air raid i mean we saw glimpses throughout the year right but i mean when it comes to you know total offense we were you know 370 yards per game 22.8 points per game as well we were 101 in scoring offense so 22.8 points per game. It's not what we want to see in the air raid, obviously. I don't think, and obviously the fans don't like to see that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, total offense definitely not up to par either. So it's more so just a consistency thing. And again, when we're gonna have, you know, our guys in the off season going into next year too, and the guys that are there, they're gonna have one year running this under their belt. So hopefully, you know, as we go into the off season, we're gonna see much more consistency in that regard so uh that was my biggest thing you know not even just with this game but even overall that's fair for me it was like finishing drives so the badgers had a basically every drive that they had started with a positive play um they had a couple incomplete passes but most of the plays were three yards or more uh including the first drive of the second half where the first play of the second um the second half of the badgers offense was a 20-yard run by braylon allen that drive only ended up being 27 yards total. So whether you want to call it finishing drives or capitalizing on big plays, uh, that's something where where you get into the air raid and you're looking at the run setting up the pass and the pass setting up the run, and Phil Longo is going to stick with whichever one the defense is giving them. you got to capitalize on those big plays. Where Braylon Allen just ripped off a 20-yard run, and now everybody's looking at Braylon Allen, that's maybe where you run a play action for a deep shot, some something like that. So capitalizing on those big plays is something that I would like to see improve. But uh, Jake, what would you like to improve on the offense? Mike's gonna like this one. Slow starts. Um, so I have slow starts. Tyler has finishing drives, and Mike has consistency. So we all have pretty much the same problem, right? Yeah. Um, in a roundabout way. <laughs> Um, something that has plagued the Badgers the entire season and that, and in my opinion, needs to be one of the top three things to be fixed in this offseason is the slow starts. Um, if our goal is to be one of the elites, you can't go down 7-0, to 14-0, to 10-0, 21-10 to in the first half. Like you, you can't have that kind of stuff, right? You have to take advantage of opportunities that are in front of you. Uh, when you have slow starts, that's how you lose to teams like Indiana, right? That, 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 loss, that loss sucked. Or Northwestern, yeah. you know, like – or last year when we lost to Illinois. I mean, those losses hurt. Those losses, honestly – like, I'm not even lying when I say this. Those losses hurt more than when we're good and we lose, like, to a good team. Because I'm like, well, at least I had yeah. some fun, you know, during the year. Right. And, you know, I, I you know, I saw some crazy stuff. And, you know, hey, they were better than us today. But when I know them we're better and then we lose that way, that, that hurts more. So – the slow starts, they just they gotta they gotta be more consistent. They gotta have the guys ready to go right out of the gate, first snap. So let's get it done, boys. So we're gonna jump straight to the defensive things that need to improve because Mike is basically the same thing on the defensive side of the ball. So we're gonna go to the two improve first. So Mike, what do you want to see improve on the defensive side of the ball? It's the damn goddamn slow starts, man. Um you know, this is the biggest stat I want to call call out was that this is literally the fourth game in the row the Badgers have given up an opening touchdown on the opponent's first drive. That's a problem. That yeah. is a big, big problem. 
do we do we adjust, adjust pretty well at, at, in the second half on games? Yes, we do. I you could almost say both sides of the ball. But as Jake, you know, kind of said, if we want to be one of those top dogs, one of those top elites, we have to set the tone to start the goddamn game. And you know, it just seems like you know on both sides of the ball, they they fall asleep for a quarter, sometimes two before we actually wake up and start to play football. So um, this is definitely something that needs to be highly addressed going into the off season as well, or even before the, the bowl game too. Um, but yeah, the slow starts have, you know, we got to clean that, clean that shit up, especially going into next season. Very said Indiana, maybe a team to watch out for with their new coach hire. They got to get some more talented players on their team first. Uh, Aaron Paul I'm, Christ. I am much more terrified. That's terrible English of Michigan State and their new coach hire. That was a big deal. Yes. Yeah, good call. Uh, shout out to Cody, by the way, for calling that. Yeah, he has insider, though. He's a cheater. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Jake, what do you want to see improve on the defensive side of the ball? So I, I basically am playing off what, what to improve off offense, but it's pressure. What do all the big dogs have, right? Obviously, they have good offense, good, good defense. But what is what makes a good defense? When you can pressure the quarterback, make him uncomfortable, make him throw the ball, make him one-dimensional, we have to get guys that can get pressure on the quarterback consistently. Look at how good this defense was in the 3-4 the when we had and we were getting pressure on the quarterback consistently. We were a top-five defense in the nation. Yep. Not just the Big Ten, the nation. So that right there is my biggest goal for this offseason on the defensive side Find guys that can get consistent pressure up front that'll help your back end, help your linebackers. You know, those guys that get pressure, they also, you know, can tackle running backs too. So that is the biggest get. On offense, let's stop with the slow starts. Let's keep this mentality that we have on defense. Let's get guys that can get consistent pressure on the quarterbacks because I'll tell you what, Oregon, Washington, USC, those guys are going to have quarterbacks. Ohio State, Michigan, those guys are going to have quarterbacks. We got to be able to get after them. I mean, even Rutgers and Nebraska, they don't have bad quarterbacks either. All right. I agree with that. They're both dual threats, and the Badgers obviously saw it. I agree with that. So, for me, looking at it, uh, I looked at yards after the catch. So, the Badgers did only allow 167 passing yards, and we talked about Hunter Wohler should have been maybe a first-teamer. I think Ricardo Hallman should have been a second-team Big Ten corner instead of third-team. And – um, Mike gave a bunch of the stats on Ricardo Hallman as well. But so Wisconsin allowed 167 passing yards. 95 of them were after the catch. That's 56.9% of their yardage. It's not great. And now the Badgers only missed seven tackles, which is great. I'm yep. Anything under eight and I'm happy. Four of them came from the secondary though. <sighs> Four missed tackles in the secondary hurts. Because that's where that's where you get into really big play territory. If yep. you you know if a guy misses a tackle at the line of scrimmage, a guy gains four yards instead of one. A guy misses a tackle out on the edge, and you're looking at instead of eleven or twelve yards, you're looking at twenty or thirty. Shit, man, DBs can miss tackles at two yards too, and it could turn into a twenty yard gain. Sure, well, yeah. When you're out in space like that, yeah, it's solid asymmetry. Sure. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So to end the Badgers' regular season, Mike, what did you see? that improved on the offense or on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, straight up. I mean, it didn't really start until the second half, but we did, the Badgers did win the turnover battle uh, mm. two to one. If I kind of say two Oh, because that hail Mary pass, which 
I mean, they got pretty damn close to returning for a touchdown, but, uh, and Tanner Mordecai could be a safety. I did learn that, but, uh, <laughs> but no, we did get two, ter- we did get two turnovers. Uh, first that, that play by Jordan Turner caused a fumble on, on Daniel Jackson mm. when Minnesota was making a legit drive too. So that, that was big time when he caused that fumble. Uh, yeah. and then early in the court or later on in the fourth quarter, our boy Rico sealed the deal with a pick when the court, when Calicamacus was, uh, Calicamanis was rolling out to the right. Rico was right there for the pick game set match. Uh, it was good to go, uh, with the interception, especially with, uh, how great of a year Rico had to get the last turnover of the season for the Badgers. It was a great way to end. Love it. Jake, what did you see that improved on the defensive side of the ball? Physicality, man. Mm. Um, you saw it, man. I went with a lot of mental stuff this week because that is what I was seeing the growth in the most over the past couple of weeks. And a couple of weeks ago, man, it didn't look like the Badgers wanted to put these pads on and fly around and hit some people, man. And it was hard to watch. Um, you know, and that, that goes back to Tyler's point of tackling is one of the, is the main thing that can make a good defense or a bad defense, right? Um, physicality guys wanting to hit, they, they ended up holding the Gophers to 167 passing yards and 119 rush yards for a total of 286 yards. You hold anybody to 286 yards, you're going to have a good ass day, (laughs) or at least you should. Right. And Last week, all of us could have called this, right? Their top receiver was Daniel Jackson going into this game. Their top receiver in the game was Daniel Jackson. He had a lot of yards. Um, he had nine for 121 and one touchdown of Calicamanis' 167 yards and 16 receptions. So outside of that, he has seven completions for 46 yards. Outside of Daniel Jackson, he had seven completions for first. And a lot of that was kind of garbage time, too, where the Badgers were kind of just playing prevent and letting them dink and dunk because it was taking up time. Yeah, can you imagine watching it for 12 weeks? That is fucking garbage, dude. Are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) Our boy's in the portal now. (laughs) I wouldn't want to get coached by a toddler either. Yeah, Put him on top of the refrigerator. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Last last improved thing on the Badgers football for the regular season until we get to their bowl game. For me, it was uh, Mike Trussell's play calling. Nah. So he dialed up a pretty great mix of coverages, I think, and then blitzes at the best times. And Mike brought up the Forkurian cornerback blitz, came at a beautiful time in the game, not expecting it at all. And Forkerine gets the level Kaliak Manis from the blind side. Nobody saw him coming. Shout out to Kaliak Manis for holding on to the football. I'll give him credit for that. That's to fair. get blind side hit, not knowing it's coming and holding on to the football. I'll give you that. That's that's good work there. But for me, we talked about it all season about a new scheme on defense. You know, it's going to be guys playing in a scheme they weren't used to playing in last year, outside of a couple of them, and transfers coming in had guys going to the nfl and you know some shuffles at places like middle linebacker between playing injuries guys getting kind of benched a little bit um it's it was a long year for the defense but i think like we talked about having it end on the highest note is better than having you know starting off hot and then fizzling out so 
that the the bell curve is going up, which is the good thing. All right. So, any last thoughts you guys want to say on Badger football before we have one bowl game to talk about, and then we're done with football for another year? I like where we're headed. Yeah, the, I do too. The culture shift for me um, is the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're gonna get some things Mikey. cleaned up, and we're gonna look good. Mikey, I got a question for you. This is gonna be random, off yeah. off the rip, dude. Just thought of it. Who oh, is the God. one prospect? That, I know you got insider feed, bro. You're always watching Badgers. Who is the one prospect? Can you, you say that again? You wait. I think. Who's the one prospect you think is a must? One prospect is a must for this upcoming 2025 mm-hmm. class. Yes. Okay, um, let's see. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Put you on for the spot, bro. Twenty twenty five. God, yeah. god damn! I gotta look. I gotta look this up. Hold on, <laughs> I, I can get you an answer in a, in a in a little. Well, actually, well, no, that's basketball. Ah, uh, for football, I can. Uh, oh, Owen straight. Okay, I got an. O, I got one. O, o Lyman Owen from Catholic Memorial. Owen Strebig. Strebig. Big. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's yep. Last, that's his. That's yep. pronounced my name. Offensive tackle. Um, he's he's yep. got. Yes, he's got offers from um, you know a lot of places, um, and it would actually be good to get another kid from Catholic Memorial to commit to Wisconsin because um, the 2024 class we had two kids that did that are going to Penn State from that school too. So establishing mm. the, the uh, relationship at that high school, getting another kid to commit from there i think would be great um another name i guess you could watch out for is trey poteet um he is a corner from verona high school his dad was actually on the badger staff during the christ era as a corner as a cornerback coach i believe but he's now at iowa state so but he's still playing at verona right now uh, but he's a highly touted uh cornerback prospect uh, in state that i'd be looking out for too Cool. Interesting. Interesting. All righty. You guys ready to talk some basketball? Hell yeah. We're All right. Let's go to SMU. Oh, you're so weird. All right, hey. Jake. I'm going to go to you first so that you stop doing whatever it is that you're doing right now. <laughs> um, Badgers and SMU no. last Wednesday to win the Fort Myers tip off. Talk about the, the three point shooting and the free throw shooting. Not much to talk about the three point shooting, is there, huh? I mean, Jesus Christ, man. What is going on with this three-point shooting, man? It's got to be more than just Connor's inconsistency. It's got to be. I mean, uh, I'm happy that Crowell's starting to shoot some at least. I agree. And, you know, we've we've talked about this, you know, probably four or five times already that Crowell needs to shoot that. I mean, yeah. obviously going into the Western Illinois, he knocked one down. So yeah. uh, we could talk about that. But the the Badgers, I mean, A.J. Store 0 for 3. Klesman 2 for 7 from three-point range. Hepburn 2 for 4. The bench 1 for 10. Ugh. One for freaking yeah. 10, dude. We're 5 of 24 from the three-point line. Yikes. I love that the Badgers are playing faster. I love that. Yes. It's a great thing. I don't love that they're not making their open shots because they are getting open looks. It's not like they're shooting 24 three-pointers that are contested or they're uncomfortable or they're and, pull-ups. Or, yeah. They're getting open looks. Yeah. And when you get those, you have to make those. Barry, that is exactly why I'm talking about three-point shooting. We have a very tough stretch of games coming up. Yep. 
Marquette is not a joke. I do not like them. I'm wearing their colors, even though it's meant to be Brewers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. But they're very good. They have very good guard play. They're very fast. The Badgers are yes. going to have to make three-pointers yep. and bring tenacious defense to have a chance in this game. Tenacious that is how good Marquette is. Michigan State equally as good. Arizona, the best team that we're going to see. And we go to their house. Yikes. We got a gauntlet, that's for sure. We got a gauntlet. The so gauntlet go starts. The, yep. I'm going to go to the free throw shooting, man. And for a few years there, you know, Tyler, Mike, when we were younger, what was a staple of Wisconsin basketball? They were going to play defense. Defense and free throws. Goddamn free throws. <laughs> I and bet you Paul Ryan has turned over the inside of his eyelids. Inside of his eyelids when he sleeps, he's got defense on this one and free throws on this one, and that's how Paul Ryan sleeps. <laughs> well, the thing my, when I was younger watching Wisconsin basketball, that's what my dad taught me. One of the golden rules of basketball is that free throws win games, and you noticed it with the Badgers because they would score fifty-five freaking points, but they would make <laughs> twenty. Points. They would they would make twenty of them from the free throw line. I love that we're making our free throws. Let's continue to do that. That is a way that we can attack teams. If they make their open three-pointers, this team is top 25. Oh, yeah, easy. So Mike wanted to talk about creating turnovers and offensive rebounds. So, I mean, it was kind of a tale of two halves for for this game, right? I mean, from an energy standpoint, uh, especially, I mean, SMU – you know, kicked. I would say they kicked our ass in the first half. There's no way about it. I think we just we might just struggle teams at times that you know get up on our face. You know, full court pressure us the whole time, and you know, just run and gun. That really you know. me off about that. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. I think we, we were. That was wild. But anyway, I think the first call I'm going to make here is the batters did create uh, most of which in the second half, but we did create 11 steals, which I think is freaking nuts because i don't think we've yeah, ever had anything like that 
So <laughs> Max Klesman, three steals. And, um, um, Kamari McGee and Tyler Wall both had two steals. John Blackwell has one. AJ Storr got one. Chucky Hepburn got one. You know, everyone, everyone that was playing legit minutes at least had one at some point, it seemed like. So that was good to see, especially in the second half when we were trailing down by as much as like 10 or 12 at one point. Um, that's a sign of like responding to adversity and uh, just overcoming that and getting that backdoor and- cover at the end. <laughs> uh, and number two, this, yeah, number two, it kind of goes with the whole energy standpoint. I mean, in this, I'm going to tie this to the Virginia game as well. We had, the batters had 16 offensive rebounds. They had 20 against Virginia, 16 this game. This, this was, you know, another eye-opening stat, I think, that I didn't see coming from this team because I know, obviously, Stephen Crawl's a, a big man, right? He's going to get his, but, like, so it's not like we are the biggest team at all in the big 10 or the NCAA at all. And the right. fact that we got, we're getting, you know, 20 and 16 offensive rebounds a piece, just scrapping for the ball. Um, you know, everyone got theirs too. So Steve had four offensive rebounds. Tyler wall had four, John Blackwell had three. Um, so just good. Yeah. Oh, so that's so your many good things there. to say about John Blackwell. Exactly. So um, that was that was another sign of, you know, great energy, especially in the second half and definitely helped us, you know, close out that win. So my two takeaways are two point guards. First one is Chucky Hepburn. He scored 10 points in just under four minutes like that. Chucky Hepburn like took over the game. Uh, The first step back he hit the first step back three that he hit cut SMU's lead to one. Then he got an and one. That gave Wisconsin the lead. SMU tied the game. And then um, Chucky Hepburn uh, hit another step back three that put the Badgers up five. Once SMU tied that game again, they never got the lead back. So Chucky Hepburn really took this game over. Now, Chucky Hepburn had a big impact in a small time frame. John Blackwell had a big impact over the course of the entire game. I have it written in my notes several times in all caps that John Blackwell was everywhere. Last week, one of my goals was for John Blackwell to have the goal to take Max Klesmith's starting spot. And then he played like this, and I'm like, damn, that might not have been as hot of a take as I thought it was. Because Max Klesmith played well, but John Blackwell all over the place. Ten points, nine rebounds, diving on the floor, playing great defense, and tied the team lead with two assists. Following this performance, he was named the Big Ten Freshman of the Week, and deservedly so. Yeah, he was. Absolutely. All right. So, switching over to Western Illinois, um, Mike can stay on the point guard subject. So, Mike has Chucky Hepburn and the low turnover numbers. Yeah, I'll start with Chucky. Um, You know, he put two games you know back to back here where he just you know decided you know what i'm gonna take this game over and put icing on the cake um you know great guard kind of said it in his press conference after the game uh team wasn't doing the greatest in the first half and i think he was getting on chucky a little bit too specifically so um this is just another game where chucky you know iced the game away so to speak he scored 11 consecutive points with uh 924 remaining we were up 12 50 to 38 western illinois still somewhat in in the game but then chucky goes and scores 11 straight right so just showing the ability to take control of a game i think that's what we're seeing showed flashes of that last year but you know when you can do it in back-to-back games like this this is it was pretty impressive on his end so 
Yeah. And he was plus 24 um, in this game too, which nice. obviously is a, is a big deal, which yeah, yeah. that's great. And then, um, you know, limiting turnovers too. Uh, you know, I know this is what the Wisconsin staple supposed to be, but I think um, I wanted to call this out because this is the fourth game in a row in which we didn't commit. We, in which we committed less than 10 turnovers. So we are somewhat taking care of the ball. Uh, throughout the year here. So it's something that hasn't uh, gone away, especially when we're a team now that's starting to push it a little more. Um, it's good to see that we're still somewhat under control. Yeah. And I'll say this between the two games, the batters did really well on fundamental failure points as well. So Jake actually brought up missed free throws in the, or just free throws in general in the first game. They only missed one free throw that game against SMU. They allowed eight points off turnovers and 12 second chance points. That was 21 fundamental failure points. Going into Western Illinois, three missed free throws, nine points off turnovers, only five second chance points, only 17 fundamental failure points. That's great work. I like yep. that. All right. Jake wanted to talk about shot selection and Connor Asijin. So shot selection, the, the reason I wanted to bring this up is uh, – Man, and this can, I can just continue this off of Mike's taking care of the ball, but pushing the ball, you don't shoot 53% without having great shot selection. I'll say True. that right now. True. I thought they did a great job playing with pace and also a great job being smart, throwing the ball inside, when to throw it outside. Um, I mean, we shot 8 of 22, so that's a little bit better from the three-point line. But let's be honest. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save most of it for Tyler, but Stephen Crowell was the man. <laughs> for for a uh, couple different stretches, in my opinion, uh, the scoring was pretty even. Uh, but the shot selection, I just thought I just wanted to, to give the Badgers their flowers and say, great job. Love seeing that. Let's continue that into this gauntlet, into Big Ten play. Um, we're going to need it. But having guys like Hepburn and Crowell uh, step up, I'm still waiting for Tyler Wall to have a Tyler Wall game. Um, he doesn't look like himself so far, in my opinion. I mean, he has stretches where he's, he's playing hard. He always plays hard. But yeah. I'm waiting for a Tyler Wall takeover moment, right? I think we're all waiting for that. Yeah. Um, that's the next step. Also, what the hell happened to Klesman? Uh, that's kind of a rhetorical question, but what what the hell happened to Klesman? I don't want to be rhetorical while we're still six games into the season. But uh, Barry asked, are you ranked currently? They're not currently ranked in the top 25 yet. If they win any of their next three games, they have a chance to get into the top 25. Um, yeah. If they lose to Marquette and Arizona and beat Michigan State, they'll probably still be out of the rankings. Yep. But if they beat one of Marquette and Arizona – and Michigan State, I think it's pretty locked down that they'll be in the top 25 after that. Please, God, beat Marquette. Please beat Marquette. Oh. Oh. I know. I'm going to have a, a freaking field day with a couple people that I know. That's all I'm going to say. It's not me either because I'm impartial. No, I no, like no, no, no. It's not you at all. I mean, I you're, you're, you're a normal guy. Uh, some yeah. of these like Marquette fans are just a little over the top, and it's kind of like chill yeah. out. And that's what it is for me. I'm a fan of both. I grew up a fan of both, so I'm still a fan of both. Nah, all right, that said, Wisconsin versus Western Illinois. My two things. First of all, Stephen Crowell. Damn, dude, I went on a rant about Stephen Crowell needing to assert himself, and he's played very well since then. And it's not because of me, even though I'd like to claim that it was. But the things that I said. It was true. It was all true. And the difference in the things that I called out are showing on the floor. And now Stephen Crowell looks fantastic. So he finished a dunk. He dunked on somebody. He didn't just dunk on a wide open hoop. He actually dunked on somebody. True. 
he had a dude like two plays later he had like a beautiful shimmy he went to his yeah. left and then went back to his right shoulder and laid it oh my god dude i'm like okay steven crawl was cooking and then a couple plays later he gets a catch immediately spins baseline and gets another dunk and i'm like who the fuck is this guy Acting seven feet tall and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. And he was working super hard on the offensive rebounds, taking a bigger role in the scoring. So Stephen Crowell had 13 points tied with A.J. Storr and Chucky Hepburn for the team lead. Barry said he must have watched the show. I'd like to claim that that was the, the catalyst, but I can't. Uh, so 13 points and then 11 rebounds, and five of his 11 rebounds were offensive rebounds. So, big game from Stephen Crowell. I hope he continues it uh, as we get into this gauntlet of games. And then the second thing that I wanted to take away from this game was the Badgers run after Western Illinois cut this game to single digits. So, Western Illinois cut this game to eight. And <laughs> this is this is a nesting doll of runs. So, these, these are all runs that happened within the same run. <laughs> but they start small and then they get bigger, but they're all together. It's not like they did one and then the other, then the other. It's they're all part of each other. So after Western Illinois cut the game to eight, the Badgers went on a 6-0 run, which was part of a 17-4 run, which was part of a 21-6 run, ultimately 29-15 over the rest of the game after Western Illinois cut the game to eight. Yeah. Works for me. It's it's one of those switch flipping things where it's like, all right, it's time to go win by a lot. Yeah. And Badgers ended up winning by 22. Yep. Okay. So we've already mentioned it. The Badgers, over the next week, they, they play Marquette on Saturday. And then they play Michigan State in Michigan State on Tuesday. So it's just two super tough games. That being said, uh, Mike, what are two goals that you have for the Badgers basketball team over the next week? The biggest call out, I think, and this is going to pertain more so to Marquette. When you got guys like Cam Jones and uh, Tyler Cole, like uh, penetration defense is going to be a major key. This is something that, that I think at, collectively Wisconsin has struggled with so far. If I had to pinpoint something this year, um, our penetration defense is going to be everything, I think, in this game. And even Michigan State, too. Um, but you know, with, with those two guys, especially at the one and two, it's going to, the matchups will be interesting as well. That's the first call, call out on my end that I think that I'm going to, I'm going to look for And even in this stretch too, because penetration defense is something that we need to, you know, tighten up a bit. So, yeah. uh, and I'm actually, I'm looking to see, and this is not more so of a goal, but this is more another call out too. I'm curious of like what, how the rotation is going to look. Cause we're still hovering around the we're playing nine to 10, sometimes 11 guys a game. And I know Western Illinois is an exception, you know, that's fine. You know, sure. getting guys in there, but you know, when we have like games where we're not shooting the greatest from three, right. Is it, could it be something along the lines because we're not as much of like in a rhythm because we're playing so many guys, perhaps, I don't know. It's just something that I'm kind of like thinking about racing back and forth yeah. in my head. So I'm just curious to see if, you know, maybe starting this game and even going into big 10 play, if that rotation could might be a little smaller than what we've been accustomed to so far, whether that's eight, nine, I think it's going to be nine for the most part based off of what I've seen. And it's going to come sure. down to matchups, but I'm just looking to see if maybe that rotation ends up being a little smaller, um, you know, starting this weekend. Yeah. It's interesting to keep an eye on uh, Jake. What are your two goals for the two games? 
It's going to be tough, but I got two things that I think will help them succeed. One thing is someone on the bench has to step up other than John Blackwell. I mean, point blank, period. I mean, Blackwell is the only guy that guard, if he's being completely honest with himself, is looking at it like, I know what I'm getting out of this guy. Do it, does do other people that come off the bench have potential to do more? Yes. Sure. Do we need it? 100%. Yeah. So somebody other than John Blackwell, please step up. My other one, and if you've ever, if you've ever watched basketball and you've never heard the term basketball is a game of runs, you're a goddamn liar. <laughs> We're going to talk about it. <laughs> basketball is segments. a game of runs. So yeah. Marquette, you know, Michigan State, all these teams have athletes. They're going to go on runs. They're yep. gonna they're gonna cause havoc. They're gonna get dunks. They're gonna shoot three wide open three pointers in transition. You have to answer runs with runs. Yeah. And this is something going back to my boy Pat Connaughton. Um, he talked about it during their championship run. He said you have you have to answer runs with runs. That's exactly where I got it from. So, Pat C, I appreciate you for the shout out. Thank you. All right. Uh, you 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 pressed right up against what one of mm. mine is with your bench comments. And mine, one of mine is to get Connor Asijin going. Uh-huh. Yeah. He, yes. he hit a couple oh, threes man. in that Western Illinois game, but we have not seen the Connor Asijin who is capable of scoring 22 points by making, you know, five threes, six threes, and a couple layups. Agreed. We need we need the the healthy prime version of Connor Asijin, uh, the one who is hunting his shot. He is still active, moving without the ball, which is something that's going to get him open looks. But we need we need a more efficient version of Connor Asijin going. And that he had a huge Mar- game Mar- last year against Marquette. Yeah. yeah, which ties into my other one is the ball movement. So the Badgers, when they catch the ball at the top of the key, it's almost like a quarterback taking a snap. Where he he looks at everybody available and makes reads and then finds the guy who's the most open. It it's been better. I and I know I said that to you guys that it's been better, but it needs to still be better. It needs to be crisper, faster. Uh, it and it just needs to be closer to the basket. I nobody thinks you're a threat when you're catching the ball four feet outside the three point line. I'm sorry. Some guys are capable of making them. Chucky will make three of them in a season, but nobody is shooting logo threes in college basketball. And if you are, the other team is going to thank you and grab the rebound. So the Badgers have to catch the ball closer to the basket. That is a non-negotiable for me. So the ball movement needs to be crisper because that's one of those things where when a guy looks left and looks right, the, the defenders on both of those guys that he's looking at have the opportunity to recover. And then the only place they can go is two feet short of the half court line. So that's why the ball movement needs to be quicker so the defense can't recover as much. And then you can tire out an opposing defense, which, like Marquette, who plays super fast, if the Badgers want to win that game, if they can tire Marquette out, they won't have as much energy to run in transition. And even if they are still trying to run in transition, maybe they'll miss some threes short, or maybe somebody will miss a dunk because they don't have enough legs because they've been running around on defense because the ball movement has been better. These things all play into each other. So get Connor Siegen going, get the ball of movement more crisp, faster, and those are my things for the Badgers over their next two games. So 
Anything else you guys want to say before we bid adieu to Mike for the week? Fuck Marquette. <laughs> say, a prayer for this, say a prayer for the gauntlet we're about to go into, boys. Yeah. I, I'll, yep. I'll say that. Say a freaking prayer. That's, Disclaimer, that's don't, don't freak out if the Badgers lose three games in a row. These are three really fucking good teams. Yeah. Don't three of the best, co- best coach teams, most athletic teams. True. Like, they're all good. Yeah. All the way around. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get ranked number don't two. Don't freak out if the Badgers lose their next three games. I just hope to God it just preps us for that Big Ten season and we just go dominate the Big Ten, too. So, yeah. That's, I'm just brings in more opportunities. Uh, Barry said, you need to wear the defense down. Is it in Madison or in Milwaukee? It, it is in Madison. Last it year is. they played in Milwaukee, so yes. this year it's in Madison. <clears throat> All right. Well, Mike, we'll see you next week. No football to discuss next week, but we'll have you back for Badger basketball. So see you next Wednesday, Mike. Sounds, Take care, buddy. Sounds good, fellas. Later. All right. <clears throat> so me and you have some more basketball to talk about, and we're going to do our power pair and our underrated performers like we always do. Yes, but the games that we're going to discuss this week, we're going to do it a little more contextually based. So a little less, a little less recap, a little more context with basketball because I mean this in the nicest way possible. There isn't as much basketball IQ in the Bucks fan bases as we would like there to be, or as much as people would claim that there is. You know, something that really annoys me is how many burner accounts there are on all the social medias, like the Twitters and the Facebooks, like that, that, Oh my God. I just, it is what it is. It's people not, can't, people not, can go on there and they can say whatever they want on anything. And what they're going to see is a Bucks jersey and it makes us look bad. And I just, I, I don't like any of that. I hear you. I hear you. It's a bad representation. That's why we advocate for better fan base representation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So give me your power pair and your underrated performer and then we'll talk about these games. All right. So uh, uh, we're just going to keep trading uh, Damian Lillard and Giannis. So this yep. week, it is my honor to take the the great Greek freak. Um, he had 118 total points. That's an average of 29.5. He averaged 12 rebounds and five assists. He shot 52% from the field. Nice. What else do you expect? Right. Um, he had nine total steals and five total blocks for an average of 2.25 steals and 1.25 blocks. He was plus 23 on the week, and that gave him an average of plus six. So when Giannis is on the court, the Bucks are six points better than their opponents. Now it's going to get crazy. Just wait for this. Um, and I'm going to have something to say when I get my UP. You know who my answer is, though. But yep. um, I also took Brooke Lopez. Um, he Great he fair. scored – I'm not even going to give you his averages because it, it's, it's crazy that he had these numbers. He scored 89 points for the week. On the same team as Giannis, Dame, and Chris Middleton, dude. Are you shitting me? The, we're we're in Big Four territory again. We are, one hundred percent. He also grabbed twenty three rebounds and had nine assists. Playmaker Brook the last two games, three assists hey. and four assists, dude. He hey. he had a couple really really good passes last night. Yeah, would go on notice if you're a casual. Just gonna say that. That's um, fair. He shot 62% from the field, 36% behind the three-point line. Splash Mountain is alive and well. He had six total steals for an average of one and a half, and he had nine blocks for an average of 2.25. He was plus 27 of the week. So when he was on the court, the Bucks were seven points better than their opponent. So you have six points, you have seven points. 
Now you get to Mikhail, Be- Mikhail Beasley. Mikhail Beasley had some you, you interesting. Sorry. <laughs> You're trying to manifest Mikhail Bridges. I'm with you, but I don't yeah, think it's sorry. happening. Sorry. <laughs> um, he had some some interesting games this week. He had multiple games of double-digit rebounds, which helped his average. Um, he averaged 11.7.5 rebounds and 1.25 assists. He shot 47% from the, from the field, 42% from the three-point line. He had nice. three blocks, five steals, and he was a plus 42. Damn. So when he was on the court, he was the Bucks were plus 10 better than everybody. The last two games, he's ended with a plus 16. Damn. I like man that. Is Barry said it seems to me like the Greek freak has been carrying the last couple games. I could see why you feel that way, but let me throw you this. Damian Lillard over the last four games averaged 30.3 points, seven assists, and five rebounds. On 46.9% field goal shooting, 36.1% three-point shooting, and 94.1% free throw shooting. Damn. Damian Lillard is also pretty far clear number one in clutch time in the NBA. That's the final five minutes of games that are within like six points, seven points. Okay. It's the final five minutes and within a certain number of points. In those situations, bro. Damian Lillard's averages in those situations, 51.7% on field goals. Oh, God. 43.8% on threes. Oh, my. And 96.6% of the free throw line. (laughs) 52, 44, and 97 in clutch time. Holy shit. Damian Lillard is amazing. Man, that is wild. Man, oh man. Well clear of 50, 40, 90 in clutch time. Tim said holiday who? We miss him on defense a little bit, but that's something we're going to talk about. Tim, we're not doing that. We're not doing that because I don't like putting other players down to lift other players up. Drew Holiday was great for us. Speak for themselves. Drew Holiday was great. He was awesome for us. We're just going to leave it at that. Yep. Damian Lillard is being off for us right now. So that's just what yeah. it is. Damian, yeah, Damian Lillard's numbers, they speak for themselves. And they yeah. are fantastic. Agreed. The other guy that I put as my other power pair player, I put Chris Middleton. So despite having his Achilles injury, his Achilles tightness, you know, whatever, his soreness, he only missed about a game and a half. Hmm. Um, But in 21.6 minutes per game, he averaged 12 points, 4.7 assists, and 4.7 rebounds. Damn. Um, and he only had three turnovers total. So looking at his numbers, 21.6 minutes per game, I'm figuring when he's at 100%, 32 to 35 minutes a game, mm-hmm. that's about 40% more than he currently plays. So I I did the math, and I'm like, okay, you figure 40% on top of what he's doing in the amount of time he's doing right now which currently he's at 40% of field goals, 36.4% on threes, which is decent, and 100% of his free throws last week. So looking at his totals, that would be 16.8 points, 6.58 rebounds, and 6.58 assists, which you're talking the third option, you guy who who knows he's the third option, averaging 17 points, 6.5 rebounds, and 6.5 assists. That's pretty damn good. So we might not get 25 and 5, Chris, 
But if we get 17, six and a half, six and a half, Chris, that's a pretty damn good Chris Middleton. That is pretty damn good. And we'll talk about him individually as these games as we as we talk about him. But uh, for my underrated performer, some of the guys on the Bucks bench were a little tough this week. So I ended up going with Adrian Griffin as my underrated performer. So the Bucks were down 20 twice last week. Once to Boston, they ended up losing by three. Mm-hmm. And once to Portland, and they ended up winning by six. Now, obviously, the players play a factor in this. And Barry said the Bulls are going down tomorrow. Yes, they are. Obviously, the players play a large factor in this, as we just spent a whole bunch of time talking about the players already. But to to have a coach who's not going to be like, all right, you know, let's you know, let's just empty the bench and concede. Adrian Griffin put his starters back in, and we can talk about this with the Boston game. We can jump right to it in the fourth quarter. Damian Lillard and Giannis came in down eighteen points with just under eight minutes to go. Mm-hmm. The Bucks cut it to fifteen, then to fourteen, then to twelve, then to ten, then to nine, then to seven, then to six. Then the game was cut to three, and Damian Lillard unfortunately kind of ran out of legs and missed a dunk. But yeah. I mean, what stood out to you from the Boston game? Well, first of all. They need to give effort from the tip. Sure. Um, for that, for the Celtics to win the tip and then get a dunk and meet like three seconds after that, while we're trying to figure out who we're matched up with, that was something. I'm sorry, that was inexcusable in my opinion. Um, you knew this was a big time matchup. Um, it was a lot of Drew Holiday, Dame, you know, Giannis, Chris, like all of it, right? And the Celtics and the Bucks have been going at it for what seems like forever, but it really, it's like six years now. We played them in the playoffs in like 2017, um, 2018. Um, I mean, really it's been the Celtics and the Bucks who've been the mainstays on top of the Eastern conference for the last better part of the last six years. Um, Obviously the Celtics have been to a finals, didn't win. (laughs) We won ours. Um, So you knew this was a big time matchup. This was a measuring stick game. And for you to come out like that, that shit really pissed me off to be honest with you. Can I say um, something just on the on the coming out part of the game? Yeah. Is early in this game, the Bucks shooting was cold. Yes. You cannot add turnovers on top of that. My God, I know, dude. When the shooting is cold, you have to take care of the ball. You can't be having zero shot possessions when you're not shooting well. That's like trading in your shovel for a backhoe to do your digging. Yeah. You That's can't true. have zero shot possessions when you're not shooting well. Yeah, and then... On top of that, man, they had to – they were missing a lot of bunnies, man. So That's, I feel like I there was a lot of – half as well. And there, there, there was, was a like lot that. of – I can give you the rundown of what happened. Yeah. Matt um, Connaughton made a three that cut the game to 11, and then the Bucks missed a layup. Boston got a layup. The Bucks missed a jumper, and then they went – so they went missed layup, made layup, missed jumper, turnover, turnover, missed layup. Oh my God. This game, the Celtics fans are over there beating their chest because they feel like the Bucs aren't a threat to them. But I'll be completely honest with you. I feel like the Bucs are right there with the Celtics. I truly do. I think that this game could have been won by the Bucs uh, if a few things you know, change. I mean, the Celtics for a little bit there. I mean, they ended up shooting 17 of 42, but it sure felt more like 25 three-pointers made. Uh, it just seemed like they were starting runs and capping off runs with big time three pointers before timeouts, or the Bucks, sure. you know, would finally end their run. So the Bucks have to do a better job at that. 
Uh, better job at finishing in the paint, even though they did have 58 points in the paint. I I honestly feel they could have had 70 with the amount sure. of shots that they got at, at, at the rim. Uh, Brooke yeah. Lopez was tremendous in this game, so let's not let that go unnoticed. He was 12 of 18, 2 of 5 from deep. And he was really the guy um, when the Celtics were going on runs and they would give it to Brooke, and he would hit that little little running floater in the middle of the lane or, or a three-pointer. Or, it just felt like Brooke was kind of the mainstay. It took a little bit for Dame to get going. He had a tough night from the field. But Dame and Giannis will be better next time. They're still figuring some some things out, and they're getting better. Every game you could see the, the camaraderie uh, mm-hmm. getting better between them. Chris Middleton's coming along nicely. Uh, it sucked with the Achilles when it happened, but it, it's not. It didn't become a problem, right? right. Um, so, you know, Chris Middleton's coming along nicely. Mikel Beasley is just doing his thing. Malik. I said Mikel again, <laughs> but I love Mikel Bridges too. But I do. I love him so much. Um, I want to talk about Bobby Portis. Um, Bobby Portis kind of got taken out of this game uh, from a mentality standpoint, and he just. Never got into it, man. Um, Bobby Portis needs to do a better job at asserting himself. Bobby is one of the best players on this team. There's no doubt about it, especially on the offensive end of the floor. So I think that Bobby needs to do a better job asserting himself, getting to the rim, and maybe forcing his way to the free throw line. Nothing wrong with that. Bobby Portis is a trustworthy guy. Get yourself going, man. Uh, That's my challenge to Bobby Portis from the Celtics game. Yeah, that's fair. James said, as much as I love that game, the guys in your comment sections were acting weird about it, especially the one you thought you guys were conceding defeat. And, yeah, that was weird. So we made a post after the first quarter when the Bucks were down 12 that <clears throat> taking a different perspective of it is seeing that they're in these situations and having a chance to grow from them. As opposed to just being like, oh, we're down 12, we suck, uh, whatever. No, take it as... <clears throat> situation to learn and grow from the bucks had some games against the heat in the playoffs last year where they were getting blown out Uh the bucks they came back they didn't get over the hump but they came back so looking at what came into this game the bucks were on a five-game winning streak boston was coming off an overtime loss to charlotte yikes you brought up brooke lopez he hit six thousand rebounds in this game <clears throat> the Bucks only had nine turnovers, which is great. Boston did score 14 points off those turnovers. Uh, they had nine second chance points. <clears throat> and the Bucks missed four free throws. So 27 fundamental failure points. That's 11 below last year's average. Bucks also had nine steals. And don't let <clears throat> the final score distract you from the fact that Boston led by 21. 18 points with under eight minutes to go, and Boston only won by three. Boston almost blew this game. The fourth quarter was a lot more fun for Bucks fans than it was for Boston fans. I can tell you that. I will say this. One last thing is you can take a drink so you can get yeah. that tickle out of your throat, buddy. Um, the Celtics as a team are more consistent. I mean, they've been together. They have you know, a coach that they had last year, but – this roster is the same as they were, right? So their their consistency line is right here, right? Where their ceiling and their floor is pretty much the same thing. Like, they're going to be good. I think the Bucks ceiling and floor is a much more drastic take. I think, you know, when the Bucks are turning the ball over, they're not making the three-pointers, and the defense is being leaky, as it has been at times during this season. I think their floor can be right here. 
But I think if the Bucks clean some of those things up, they become better than the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And that is that's going to sound biased to a lot of people, but you have Damian Lillard, you have Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, if the Bucks take care of the damn ball, they make their three pointers. The others are contributing, mm-hmm. and yep. the defense is locked down. I just don't see anybody beating us four times in seven games. Right. Barry said Celtics fans and Toronto fans are the most horrible fans in the NBA. I would put Philly over Toronto, but Celtics fans are the worst. That's I'm sorry. Not not James, because James is a good guy. Yeah, James is good people. We saw some pretty fucking horrible things from Celtics fans after their overtime loss to the Hornets. Uh, uh, they're <laughs> bad people. James said, I'm not going to lie, I've always enjoyed close games in the regular season, although they're stressful. I feel like it's good practice for the playoffs, which is what we said in our post, but here we are. It uh, shows the coaches, coaches and players' mental fortitude. Couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, okay, whatever. I got a 99% chance to make the playoffs, Tim. I ain't worried about it. <clears throat> All right. Tim's over here <laughs> going crazy, bro. Okay. Let's go to the Wizards game because this is another one of those where, oh, it shouldn't be this close. Bro, I'm going to say again what Steve Novak said. There are bad teams. There are no bad players. This is literally the National Basketball Association. Did anybody, and I'm, I'm being serious when I ask this, did anybody see that video that surfaced probably two years ago now at this point from Bradley Beal talking to a high school team? Where the main point that he was talking about is not all y'all are going to make make the NBA. Because some of you guys are coming from my food. You're coming from my money. And he he said some swear words. He said some cuss words. But basically he said, I'll be damned if I let you take food off my table. And that's what it is. These are 100 and 100 whatever of the best players in the freaking world. These guys all run fast. They can all dunk. They can all shoot. I mean, just go back to Brian Scalabrini when he was playing that regular dude. Yeah, he was destroying him, dude. Yeah, people. That wasn't I said it, dude. People talk shit about Thanasis all the time. Anybody you pick from your local gym, he will beat him twenty-one to zero, guaranteed. Dude, have dude. You play against Sam Decker's brother, right, John? Yep. John Decker is filthy against regular people. He scored eighty-two points in a game this season. He is. Fi- he didn't even make the NBA. <clears throat> He's yeah. just around basketball a lot. He's. This is no offense. He's balding with gray hair, and he scored 82 points in a game with a bunch of dudes from Milwaukee. Can you imagine what the Nashes would do to people at the? Y- and his game? brother plays in the UK. Yeah, not even the NBA in the UK. Think about that, dude. We're gonna have a guy actually that walked on at Marquette on the show in a couple weeks, and I listened to his book. The the. The conditioning just for a walk-on college athlete is unfathomable. And I played a year of college basketball. I played yeah. at a junior college. I didn't play at Marquette. But the conditioning to to just be a walk-on at Marquette, unfathomable. Could not imagine putting myself through that all day, every day as a student athlete. That's insanity. It so, is. And, we're, and we'll talk to him about it probably in a couple weeks here. But on the Wizards game – it must be nice to have a guy get past you and just be able to yell Brooke and have him come block a shot. <laughs> right. That happened in the first quarter against the Wizards. <laughs> um, 
Barry said, look at the brothers that come out of Stevens Point. Yeah. Um, Damian Lillard did get off to a much better start in this game. He had four, uh, he was four for six from the field. He had 10 points and six assists in the first quarter. <clears throat> Chris Middleton had four assists in the second quarter. And then looking into the fourth quarter is where I want to jump after that. Brooke Lopez tied his career high on an and one with a minute and 38 seconds. They try to go back to Brooke Lopez. He gets the ball in the post. Takes a couple back down dribbles. The guy from the perimeter comes and doubles down. Uh-huh. Lopez kicks the ball back out to Lillard and then seals so Lillard can get a layup. Unselfish. Who the hell used to do that back in the day? God damn it. It was like Boris Diaw or some random guy. But there was a... No, it was a white dude. It was a big old post white dude that was just good forever. I forgot his name, but he used to all the time... I think he played for the Spurs. All the time, he would give the ball back to Tony Parker, and then all he would do is just seal off like two people, and then Tony Parker would get a layup. I don't remember who it was. But it could be Boris Diaw. He played for the Spurs for a long time. I think it, it, it probably was Boris Diaw. That guy was so damn smart, dude. So underrated. But Brooke Lopez does little things like that all the time. We talk about his boxing out all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Bucks, <clears throat> the Bucks missed seven free throws, nine turnovers again. Allowed eight points off turnovers, which is very low. 12 mm-hmm. second chance points, 27 fundamental failure points again. Um, the second straight game where Brooke Lopez is shouldering more offense. Mm-hmm. Bucks did have a couple chippy fouls between Marjan and Ajax. I was going to say, we got to see evil Marjan for a second, man. <laughs> that, was I was fun. I had fun seeing that. He said, yeah. little dude. Um, and then I want to call out a couple of the turnovers – which, shockingly, to Washington's credit, they only had four. But the Bucks had a couple turnovers on anticipating guys being in the corner, and that's a system thing mm-hmm. where they're used to having the 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 Budenholzer quadrant system, where guys are you know constantly filling in the four spots on the perimeter. The Bucks had a couple turnovers, kicking the ball to the corner for what they think is going to be an open three, and there's nobody there. That's just one of those things where they're going to need to play more to correct those. They'll figure it out, and then. People brought this up, and people keep saying defense, defense, defense. The Bucs need to fix their defense. We knew the defense was going to take a step back. We knew that. That was something we already knew. That was done, decided as soon as we traded for Damian Lillard. Mm -hmm. My thing is, you give up 129 points to the Wizards. Fine, whatever. The Bucs had a lot of makeable shots in the paint, on the three-point line, and at the free-throw line they can make where if the Bucks allow 129, like they're going to, it's going to happen. Only one team has scored 130, and it was the Raptors when they blew out the Bucks a couple weeks ago. The Bucks can allow 130 because they are capable of scoring 160. Dude, Not even that. kidding when I say that number. We scored 130, and we made nine threes, dude. Nine for 31. The bench was one for 12 from the three. Dude. The bench made one three and we scored a hundred and freaking 30. Are you shitting me right now? That's, yeah, that's wild. Are you shitting me? Bro, Pat can heat up. Marjan can heat up. I mean, Bobby. Jake Crowder is one of our best three point shooters. He's not even playing. Bro. I mean, campaign can get on fire. I mean, dog. Dog. We scored 130. We got one three from the bench. Come on, man. 
<clears throat> All right, let's go to the Blazers game. What's it up to you from this one? We should never have been down 26 in the first place. I'm not getting into that. I will say that the Bucks uh, <laughs> dominated the the rebounding. Uh, they had 18 offensive rebounds, so that was something that I really loved to see. Uh, Giannis and Dame dominated as they do back to back games, and them both having 30 points. Uh, Damian Lillard started out rough, but it's not how you start; it's how you finish. If there is an epitome of a person of it's not how you start; it's how you finish, the picture in the dictionary or the thesaurus, sorry, needs to be Damian Lillard. Like no freaking lie, it's not how you start; it's how you finish. Give the ball to Dame. Yeah. I mean, the guy's going to fucking score. 52, 44, 96 from – all right. He's either going to drive to the rim, get a layup. He's going to hit a dumbass three that you're just going to be like, are you serious right now? <laughs> or he's just going to get to the free throw line you're going to be pissed. I mean, two of those options, you're pissed. <laughs> so, yeah. pick one. And then we haven't even integrated – last night we did a little bit. We haven't even integrated Chris Middleton into the closing yet. Yep. I'm sorry, but y'all better say your prayers because once that happens, it's done. And he he got into it a little bit last night, but bro, the mi- or, sorry, yeah, he had a, he had a couple of crazy mid range. I don't, I don't want to get into it yet. <clears throat> um, but I will say, for the Bucks to have the mental fortitude to come back in this game was a great thing. I agree with James James point where I like close games in the regular season. Yep. It's nice to blow people out every once in a while. Sure. Get some of the end of the bench guys in, give the stars a rest. But you know, we've seen the Bucks and we we've we've had a lot of discussions about this kind of stuff, Tyler. Of I don't know if you want to get into it right now, but like the championship kind of ruined some people's expectations, right? And you know, we uh <clears throat> we've seen the Bucks kill people and set records for killing people and and mm-hmm. you know their scoring pace was crazy in the first quarter, and they set this NBA record. And in the first half, they set this record, and they had this many three-pointers in the second quarter. And it's like, we've seen all that. And that's yep. fun. It is. But the end goal is a title. But that doesn't right. mean that a freaking loss on a Monday night or when we're down 20 to the Blazers doesn't mean that we're not going to win the title. Yeah. We don't freaking know. It's not even December, dude. Yep. Basketball doesn't even get serious till after December. Yep. We have a whole month of not being really serious. Yep. Now, Barry, nobody's going 82 and 0. The, the in-season tournament is making things a little interesting, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think it was a genius <clears throat> idea to give these guys to fight for their teammates at the end of the bench. Damian Lillard has talked about it. I think that's an absolutely genius idea. Yep. Give them a little extra coin. Nothing wrong with that. These guys are going at it. That Heat Bucks game last night was awesome. Yeah. The the Nixon Heat game a couple weeks ago, awesome. That was a great game. Yeah. Those are these are good basketball games. This yeah. is what this is what the fans want to see when you buy <laughs> tickets to a game, right? And mm-hmm. on top of it, you get some shitty jerseys. I don't like any of the jerseys really. But yeah, I, think yeah. the, I think the courts are cool. I think that's a good yeah. idea. I don't yeah. like the color of some of them, but I'll just say this. Miami's Miami, is cool. Miami's is cool. I don't like the Bulls red with their jersey. That's it's too much. Yeah. Um, I think the Bucks, or the Bulls should have went with like a, a black court. That would have been cooler, Ooh. in my opinion. That would have been way cooler um, because you know the Jordan in the black jersey. You know, I'm not yeah. it. But uh, the the Bucks beating the Blazers that was a, that was a big boy win. Uh, the Blazers had all the reasons in the world to win that game. The Bucks had no reason to win that game, and they did. So. <clears throat> So the way you just said it, 
It, it's totally true. The Bucks allowed. Oh, this fucking hurts. Oh, the Bucks yeah. allowed 18 points off turnovers yep. in the first half. Yep. Oh my god. Oh yeah. That's like double what I would like the Bucks to allow in a game. It was, it was the first half. It was. Hard. And then here's my thing, and people are like, "Ooh, Adrian Griffin's not the guy." The Blazers came in as the worst three-point shooting team. So what do you want them to do? You want them to do what they are not good at doing. So the Bucks wanted the Blazers to shoot threes. They started 12 of 19 on threes. Which is just ridiculous. Gosh. They're, they're beating you with what they're not good at. Yeah, that was ridiculous, dude. <clears throat> and obviously they came way back crashing down to earth because they made three out of their next 20. So I talked about that. I did a recording on Monday, uh, Monday evening, where you can hear all of the stats uh, from the Bucks and the Trailblazers for what the second half looked like uh, in comparison to how this game ended. Because in the second half, from the nine oh nine mark, the Bucks outscored Portland uh, fifty three to twenty one. Damn. Now <clears throat> we got some. We got a lot of Damian Lillard in this game. We got. Mm-hmm whole bunch of it. The Bucs had the, the lead cut to single digits around the seven-minute mark. Um, Damian Lillard hit a step-back three to tie the game, then draws a charge with the game oh, tie. Oh, yeah. Um, the Bucks forced Portland into a shot clock violation with 39 seconds left. Damian Lillard misses a step-back, but after a scramble, Giannis gets a tip-in, and then Giannis gets called for a foul. Adrian Griffin challenges it and wins it. And then the Bucks want to jump with 14.6 uh, seconds left. Damian Lillard gets the ball on free throws, made both, uh, got the Bucks up four, made two more, got the Bucks up to six. My thing with this, <clears throat> the Bucks have to get better in their transition defense off of turnovers and rebounds. Portland, at, uh, the 18 points off turnovers in the first half is wild. Yeah. And then my thing with the turnovers, <clears throat> it's too many guys leaving their feet to pass. That's like a cardinal sin that they teach you in like high school basketball is don't leave your feet to pass. And there was a lot of it in this game by the Bucks. Those guys, you know, trying to like whether they were thinking they were going to go up for layups and then they're trying to pass out of it and they have nowhere to go. You can't land or it's a turnover. So guys are throwing turnovers away. <clears throat> don't leave your feet to pass. Now, last thing I'll say on this, the NBA's largest comeback this season. The Bucks were down by 26. They won by six. And it's the Bucks' largest comeback since 2012 when they came back down 27 against Chicago. Love that. <laughs> All right. Last night's game. Now, we got more Dame time. As if we needed more Dame time, we're always going to be happy for more Dame time because it's fun. Um, Barry said they get too fancy with the ball. Honestly, I haven't seen too many like just bad dribbling turnovers. I really haven't. Um, unfortunately, that is one of the things that Drew was kind of prone to at times. Uh, Chris Middleton really hasn't had that problem. He's had the problem in the past where he's just had some bad dribbling, but I haven't really seen the the dribbling turnovers be a huge thing. Honestly, it's been more of the the point of emphasis travel calls that the NBA is trying to do. We got a big one yesterday against the Heat. And the passing. It's leaving your feet to pass or expecting guys to be in certain positions, and, and they're just the guys not being there. I am going to call Giannis out on something, though. Go ahead. Yesterday, it happened twice. 
where Chris Middleton was wide open on the wing. I'm Bucks shirts. I'm in. And um, Giannis decided to not make the easy pass and just, and he tried to make like a no look, like highlight pass to the guy in the corner, trying to like forego the skip pass. And it's like, Giannis, dude, just, just take, just take Chris on the wing wide open, bro, in a rhythm jumper. Right. And oh, I, I, I absolutely love Giannis. I, I love him so much. But, buddy, you can't be shooting threes when we're down three. Bro, he shot that three. We got the rebound and it turned into a three. That was crazy. Uh, I, dude, I was literally screaming no. I was like, no! I'm like, uh, yes! And he makes it. <laughs> this is the game that reminds us that basketball is a game of runs. Yeah. Buck jumped out to a big lead. Miami closed it. It was runs back and forth. But here, here's my things. Dame time. Nine points in the last five minutes. Two of them were threes. One of them was for the lead. One of them was a tie. The other three points they scored were free throws. The fourth quarter scoring for the Bucks. This, mm, I, I love this so much. Bucks were 12 of 20 from the field. That's 60%. 5 of 11 from the three-point line. That's 45.5%. And 9 of 9 from the free, free throw line. Giannis was making his free throws. Nobody said it. Giannis was making his free throws. Everybody calls him out when he misses. Nobody gives him the love when he makes them. He made Except it for us when he was in the finals. He, I dude, called out Monty Williams and Chris Paul for that. Every once in a while, this son of a bitch just decides to go like freaking 18 of 21, like, nine of 12. But you could tell the difference in his free throw. It looks so much smoother when it, it does. Just one motion, dude. I literally, he doesn't need that many dribbles. I don't think he does. But and, and the double breaths, I mean, we've talked about that before too. The double breaths is a little extra for me. I mean, Damian Lillard goes up there, whoosh, dribble, we're good to go, yes. man. Yeah. I mean, Giannis, bro, go up there, take your breath, take a dribble, shoot that son of a bitch, man. It's gonna feel the same whether you take seven dribbles or one dribble or zero dribbles, to be honest with you. Um, but when he gets a little bit more arc and he goes on those toes, man, he actually goes through the motion. It's kind of a good-looking shot, honestly. Yeah, that's smooth. We saw the the three that he made um, two weeks ago against the Wizards. Like, at the end of the first quarter, it was like, damn, that looked like KD when he shot that. He did. Every once in a while, man. Went, I think he just overthinks it, honestly. Or he's just yeah. muscling it. Or, man, or he's trying too hard to be, like, mechanical about it, and then he gets almost robotic. It's almost like, you know, throwing at the football again when, like, Jordan Love was struggling with the deep ball, and he's just trying to perfectly place it. Yeah. Dude, just throw just the fucking thing. It. Yeah, just fling it. <laughs> throw it. Giannis, grab the damn thing. Dude, he did that. He did that yesterday, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it. He had it was it was after a foul, but he caught the ball. Uh he was like two, three feet behind the three-point line, too, and he shot and he cashed it. And I was like, this fucking guy, dude. Like, just, just shoot <laughs> it, dude. Just shoot the ball. I mean, he's good at everything else, so why can't he be good yeah, at shooting? Right. <laughs> the video of him is funny too, where he's like God said I cannot shoot. He's like, they may be handsome, maybe tall, handsome. He said it. I cannot shoot. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. My last thing. 14 second chance points. That's the Bam Adebayo effect. Yeah. Uh, 10 points off turnovers. The Bucks again, only nine turnovers. So I need to give the Bucks credit. The turnovers have been better, and they can yeah. still be better. Agreed. I will continue to hold them to that high standard. Anything under 12, and I'm happy. And then only three missed free throws. Hell yes. The Bucks were 24 of 27 on free throws last night. 
that's where 27 the game fundamental going. failure points, 11 below their average again. Um, I mean, I have no complaints. In my opinion, the game was won at the free throw line. Uh, the Heat went 14 of 21 from the free throw line, so they missed, they missed seven free throws and they made 10 less than us. Uh, they and, and all these Miami fans, man, they they go on there and they're like, Oh, we don't get the foul calls like the Bucks. You don't drive to the fucking rim like the Bucks either. Yeah. The only person that goes near the damn paint on a consistent basis, I'm not saying like ever, on right. a consistent basis is Bam. That's Bam and, and Jimmy when he plays. Right. And Jimmy gets hella foul calls. So oh, yeah. if Heat fans are complaining about foul calls, I don't want to hear it. Because some yeah. of those foul calls in the playoffs last year were trash. Yeah. Lowry's not going to the rim like Lillard. And then Man, you have Tyler here on Duncan Robinson and and Gabe Vincent. Uh I'll not be- Gabe Vincent. Um Cody Martin. Like Jaime Jaquez. Like those guys, they're camped on the three point line. Yeah, they're three point shooters. They stretch they they're there to space the floor yeah. so Bam and Jimmy can have room to to go to the rim. Exactly. Barry said Heat fans need to cool down. Well played. I'll be honest with you, I would put Heat fans over Toronto fans as toxic to be completely honest That's with fair. you. They're just mad because we got Lillard and they didn't. Uh, suck on it. <laughs> All right. So the Bucks play at Chicago tomorrow. Yep. Home against Atlanta on Saturday. Yep. Home against Chicago on Monday. I'm predicting a three and a week. Well, they also have to play the in season tournament game. Uh, did they announce when it was? I Yeah, it's it's on TNT on Tuesday, I think. Okay. So it'll be Tuesday then. Um so they play they play the Bulls, they play the Hawks, and they play the Knicks. Okay. Because the next Bulls game is the eleventh. Okay. So they'll All play right. so they'll so play back to back home games. All right. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say four and all then. Four and all. Yeah. All yeah. right. The Knicks aren't beating the Bucks. Julius Randle awful when he plays the Bucks. Yeah. I mean the only person is Jalen Brunson, but everybody wants to talk about how the Bucks can't guard Jalen Brunson. Can Jalen Brunson guard Damian Lillard? I do yeah. not think so. And okay. Uh real quick before we're done. Two things. One, Miles Burkett entered the transfer portal. Not surprising. Wish him the best, obviously. And two, mm-hmm. Devin Williams won rookie of the year, reliever of the year. So that's like five out of the last six for Brewers uh Let's go. closers winning reliever of the year. Love that. Um, I got it. You know, just, just just, this guy. He's good. He is good. This just in. Devin Williams is good. All right. And stuff. Yeah, he's good. Uh, let's do it. Tim said 4-0. Barry said let's hold Tyler to this 4-0. I'm with it. First of all, Chicago is not beating the Bucks. Nope, they suck. They're, they're super bad right now. Yeah. Like they are desperately asking somebody to trade for their players. Please take Zach Levine, please. And then Atlanta, that that could be hit and miss. Somebody's going to win that game by 18 points. It might be the Bucks, it might be the Hawks. <laughs> but that game's not going to be decided by less than 15. Holy shit. And then the Knicks, that's the in-season tournament game. The Bucks are going to be kind of a little bit more turned up for that. The Bucks are winning that game too cuz it's at home. Yeah, so they'll play they'll play that in season tournament game. Then if they win, they go to Vegas, I believe. Correct. And they'll have to play either the Pacers or the Celtics. Correct. So either of those games will be great. Pacers are super freaking fun to watch. Yeah. Otherwise, we get a rematch against uh, the Celtics. Get a rematch either way. 
Yeah, true, true. We lost to the Pacers as well. Yeah. I would. I honestly kind of want to. Not that I'm. I'm not scared of the Celtics. I kind of want to just watch the the Pacers to have an excuse to watch the Pacers. <laughs> Tim said you flipped the Bucks win loss, and that's the Bulls. Yikes! All righty. Well, Jake's not going to be with us on Friday night for our Packers show. He's going to do his notes tomorrow. Other than that, uh, Bryant, myself, and Simon will be on on Friday night for the Packers show. Other than that, we will be back next Wednesday. So we will see you then. Go Bucks, go Badgers, and obviously go Packers. Presented by T Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.